listeners. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm excited for today's episode. We're going to go down a road that I have wanted to go down for a while. Um, Being an addict myself, I'm always fascinated by the world of psychedelics and things of that nature uh, that I did not get to go down quite as much. But because of all the advances of science and things, there are medicinal purposes and all of these fascinating things in that realm. So I'm excited to introduce Senor Nico. Hola. Hola. <laughs> Thanks it's a pleasure for doing to be this, here. Man. Un placer. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Um, Studio's great. So Love I, what you do. As I uh, said, you are, are uh, crippled with heroin addiction. Just riddled with it. <laughs> Barely get through the day. No, I'm excited to talk about that stuff. But first, as we always do, mm-hmm. we talk about the childhood. So you guys are from Minnesota originally? Mm-hmm. Yep, born and raised in St. Cloud, so not too far. Did you go to Tech? Or? I did. Okay. Yep. What was that like? I loved it. It's awesome. I mean, Tech gets a lot of shit. The building was like 120 years old when <laughs> I was there, so, you know, a little stinky and musty and stuff. But no, I think what I would say were the defining features of Tech in my mind were the the teachers I had were awesome, like just really great connections with with my teachers still still know some of them and oh, wow. have like adult relationships with them but i think that led to like some really quality education loved my class like no drama well obviously tons of drama at high school but, <laughs> but no like crime or like crazy shit like that um well that's what i was curious about because how old are you i am 30 you ju- okay just hit 30 the, so you're of that age where like the Somali community coming in. Yeah. Um, I mean, St. Cloud has... Yeah, see, now that you say that, I guess there was a lot of drama around that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I, like, uh, St. Cloud has an unfortunate history of, like, racism, and, and it's weird because it's this, like, unknown but well-known thing about St. Cloud, Yeah, which I wasn't like aware of until well no not talked about um yeah but no you you nailed it in elementary school i had one somali classmate and like didn't really know them personally and then in middle school had a couple more but then by the time i graduated high school it was probably a fifth of my graduating class so just in whatever that is six years um it really ramped up and yeah it wasn't it wasn't so much in my perception um friction between like local whites and Somalians, it was mostly between Somalians and the black community, um, at my school at least. That's that is fascinating as well. Yeah. Like the weird. Okay, I was just talking about this with somebody. How weird it is for like honkies, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. feeling Us. like <laughs> um, that because the black community, which you're right, I hear black people talking about talking shit about Somalis all the time but like so white person having racist tendencies feeling like because another oh if a black person is okay to say all this stuff then that must mean it's okay for me to oh look at us we're Mm. gonna connect on our racism it's like those are both bad things Mm -hmm. for one also one of you has a little more right than the other (laughs) Mm -hmm. even though they're both wrong 
when I was in high school, I don't even know if I would have put like that much racist terminology behind what I was witnessing. Like that just seems to be such a recent thing where we're all so much more sensitive to it and like contextualize it in a different way. When I was in high school, it was just like, yeah, the black kids at my school like hated the Somalians and vice versa. <laughs> and and like later I found a lot of oh, found out a little bit more of the context. Like they felt like they were being uh, their culture is being super appropriated by these refugees who come over and wear like, you know, giant, oh, yeah, giant yeah, yeah. shoes and hoodies and like whatever basically emulating what they saw as like pop cult pop black culture when they got here which is like rap videos and like all this stuff and it was like basically like a caricature of authentic black culture yep. was again i'm just explaining what my perception of it was um so yeah i mean saw some crazy fights and stuff but yeah i mean that that was um it when i think back i'm like yeah that was a really colorful part of my high school experience although it like never really bubbled up that much but yeah it's a big thing in st cloud i mean even before the somali refugees got here it was like Hmong was the biggest um refugee minority but it was so much more quiet and i know there's just like a lot more closet racism back then but just <laughs> just way different culture among people like yeah you just i just never saw them around when i was kids but i had like Hmong classmates and stuff but um obviously just not quite as evident as like the uh, the proportion of the population that quickly became Somali due to, oh, yeah, due to yeah. all the refugees was just crazy. And in my opinion, um, drop, drop the ball on the assimilation bit a little bit. Like I was never introduced to my classmates, knew nothing about their culture throughout high school. Like and when I would have been like genuinely curious and open minded and stuff and just I, I don't know who's responsible for like the, <laughs> the assimilation bit with all these refugees. But I feel bad, like just drop them off in this like white hostile culture for the most part like all my parents generation like also didn't know what was going on yeah really kind of curious like why they choose they cho i think there's like six points for somalian refugees in the u.s mm -hmm. like intake points and one of them is st cloud like i never got why yeah i don't, I don't know um because it's like i always thought that like because minnesota's uh, or like the Midwest in general is seemingly more accepting or perceived as to be more accepting. Minnesota nice, baby. Yeah, exactly. So like, and the the workforce, like employment has usually been good. Yeah, that could be. So I think that... I hear it switching to Duluth now. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. It is interesting because in my mind, what made it so weird is, could you think of like, uh, 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 as far as temperature, like, oh. or, or weather... A more polar opposite <laughs> between Africa and Minnesota. Like, yeah, it's rough. Like, we even think it's rough. Uh, just seems crazy to yeah, dump people in here. Like, dangerous almost. <laughs> like, you're gonna freeze. <laughs> yeah, I I absolutely agree. But no, yeah. So that I would say um, that was colorful. But yeah, overall, like, great memories. Um, I think I mean, just education is what you make it. You know, I had students who. Uh, felt, you know, classmates, friends who had a polar opposite experience, like hated tech. Um, you, there's those people everywhere. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was sad when they when they shut it down and built a new one. This is like <laughs> almost the thing about tech is like the building is so old. It's been here forever. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. got stories. Everyone like quasi complains about it. like my grandma went to tech. Whoa. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I feel like I mean the U.S. is so good about like ripping down historical stuff. Like we don't have <laughs> like nothing is more than a hundred years old. It's just like bulldoze it and build a new one, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, we didn't like different from other countries. We didn't like have the the best infrastructure to start with. Yeah. So then 
everything that we built was like on the verge of like insanely flammable or <laughs> like, asbestos ridden or like, I can't even yeah. imagine what was going on. I mean, they, they shut down parts of it even before I was a student, like there's tunnels and there's even like a gymnasium and swimming pool under the, no the ground level. Like you could go, there's like a, a level one, one floor into the basement where I think they had like classes and there's some stuff and then goes even down further. Holy shit. But there's like some crime problems and stuff down there. I was going to say, that's where the <laughs> satanic worship I know. So like <laughs> as a, as a, as a rebellious high schooler, it was like just trying to get down into those tunnels, man. Oh uh, yeah. Figure out what's going on down there. I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yell at my dog. With your, your high school experience, um, cause you, your, your siblings are older than you mm-hmm. by a significant enough amount that you were never in high school with them. No, never, never in. No, nor even the six year. Cause it, we, my kindergarten was K through six, but I still think the age gap meant not even that. Um, we were never in the same school. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, my sister was like my second mom almost cause she's a teenager when I was like a toddler. And like, by the time I was 10, she's like 22 full, full fledged adults. So she'd be like bringing me out shopping and everyone just assumed like I was her kid. <laughs> um, which was awesome. Like she brought me everywhere and like we we're best buds. And like, I, I feel like you're really able to appreciate kids at that, at kind of like around that age, she didn't have any yet and everything. So she just like loved having this little brother, you know, and I loved all the attention and stuff. And then, yeah, my bro was just like the cool, cool older brother in my <laughs> mind, you know, six years older. So he's got like, the PlayStation when it came out and it was cool, but I like didn't even know how to play it and stuff. And um, so he's always one step ahead of the curve and he was just such a, like a, a punk in, in high school and stuff that I was just like, yeah, he knows, he knows what's up. He's the cool dude. But. Dude. It's so funny to think of him, like all of the nerdy stuff that I don't think anybody would have ever guessed would be like in the pop culture, pop culture zeitgeist now. Like Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, like Henry anime, Ca- yeah, anime. Henry Cavill, Post Malone, like <laughs> these massive superstars are doing both of those things, yeah, not hiding it at all. No, and it's so now it's like people are like, it's okay, it's okay, we it, can come out. Yeah, I mean, I think Game of Thrones brought it to like the stratosphere where it's like nerdy Ooh. dragon shit is now the coolest. You know, when our Very parents true. are like, that Daenerys is so, you know, like, then you knew, oh, yeah, it's the mainstream now. Maybe that's why the whole stepbrother, stepsister thing got so popular as important <laughs> is because of the incest in Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I, <clears throat> dude, I do not understand that one. But um, yeah, so I don't know. It was kind of weird. Like, I didn't. I didn't have like siblings in the way where we're like wrestling and like sharing clothes and stuff because we were just that perfect amount of like six years apart so much when you're a kid oh yeah like you pick any age and it's like i'm eight he's 14 like what do we got in common <laughs> nothing um and then like even more so with my sister but yeah i mean i grew up I, I i feel super fortunate to be in that that like that cusp generation where i could still just like mom sends me outside after school and i report back at whatever oh yeah, time yeah. or 9 p.m no big deal like biking around with friends like didn't have a cell phone to be kept track of and all that stuff. So super, super fortunate. So yeah, I mean, for me, it was just like palling around with uh, my buddies in the neighborhood and our parents were really, um, and like 
pros and cons to this, but mostly pros. I I give them credit for like really keeping us involved in either sports or you have a job or you're volunteering or like something to keep you busy, which like tons of merit to that keeps you out of trouble and stuff. So, um, yeah, from middle school on, I always had at least like one activity going on. Oh no shit. Like what did you do? So in middle school, um, I did some volunteer like counts camp counselor stuff at day camps. Like really? Yeah, yeah, the Heritage Day Camp in St. Cloud and then one other like churchy day camp thing, which I like went through as like a uh, an elementary school. Oh, okay. And then I like came back as a counselor and helped out there, volunteered at the Humane Society, which is just like sounds so fun but is so horrible. Which is, is like important. Oh yeah. Like to to internalize what goes on there. But um I mean the smell alone. The like. smell and just it's 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 a sad <laughs> it's a sad place. Um happy place too, but uh yeah, and then as soon as I hit high school it was like job or sports and I didn't really want to do either. <laughs> um but I chose sports for the most part. I, I did soccer like all through from when I was a kid all through high school. Um, I was on the bowling team. Yeah, Tech had a oh. bowling team. And our bowling team was lit because of the uh, the Bischoffs. Um, yeah, Kyle Bischoff was, was uh, great ahead of me, and he was just like the best bowler in the state at the time. Wow. I've seen him bowl two 300s with my own eyes. Holy cannoli. Yeah. So wait, is that why is that why your brother's into bowling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we were on bowling leagues all through ki- uh, when we were kids. I don't think he ever did like a competitive like a school Um Okay. Bowling, but yeah, we bowling was big in our family. Even when I was a kid, my parents were still on a bowling league too. So we were like all bowling. Wow. Yeah. So some of that stuck. Um and then yeah, I got a job when I was sixteen. So been employed since. So yeah, just like keep you busy. I don't like when I think of like back to my summers and after school, I didn't I don't think about like, man, I was just like kept busy. I just never had time to have fun or anything. Like to <laughs> me, all I think about was like the plane N sixty four and running around with my friends. I don't really think that I was like kept kept busy in that way but you have so much free time when you're a kid that there's time for yeah well yeah and i mean especially if like if your circle of friends were all in like similar boats like whereas they're doing sports or one of them has a job like Mm -hmm. there's some relatability throughout the the crew yeah and i was doing it with my friends yeah like all of those things exactly so yeah make friends or when you have that like the would like you think about the shit that you do after practice. You don't remember every single practice right. that you're into. You remember, like, like being in football and wrestling. Like, I remember practice sucked, but that's not the stuff that really sticks. No stuff that sticks is like get it, getting to grab one of the largest boobies I've ever seen. Yeah, get, or is it just get, seeing boobies on on the bus ride home? Our, our one of the cheerleaders was like, "You keep staring at my boobs." If you want to feel one, just go for it. And I was like, no way. Whoa. But then that night, Lottery. I, I got the flu. So <laughs> those two things are- God did not want you to touch <laughs> that booty and he smote your ass. That's funny you say that because like, I think more about like seeing like my buddy who had like a giant dick when I was 13. Like, what the fuck, dude? He's packing or just had like a hedge of pubes. Oh, dude. Where I just like, I still like have like one nipple hair. Dude, that's absolutely ingrained into my book. I was a yeah. uh, freshman uh, on the wrestling team, and the senior varsity uh, guy goes, hey, Duke, and I turn, and he has one leg up on the bench, and his 
enormous penis is like right in front of me. And my first thought was not like, oh, ew, dick. I was like, it's the size of my face. Yeah, that's a dad <laughs> dick right there. Whoa. It was insane. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't get any cheerleader booby, but plenty of dick. <laughs> nah, but I, I mean, fond memories of all that stuff. I, again, like there's pro- pros and cons um, to being like forced to stay busy when you like didn't want to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, like even if I hated it at the time, I'm, I'm glad. So, like even the job thing. Remember my mom's like, you're going to you're going to get a job and it's going to help you like pay for your gas and this and that. And I was like so against it that I like looked up the wage and like did all this math about like, okay, so after taxes and I have to drive there, come back, it's going to cost me money. Have you, I like literally did like present when I'm like 15 to like try to get out of having a job, like present like this job's not going to do anything for me. She's like, <laughs> you're still going to do it. That was dude. Same. I worked at hot topic in the mall. Classic lived here. So I absolutely was like not, if anything, I was spending money to go commuting there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Silly. But the job I had, I mean, I had like some odd jobs, but the the primary job I had throughout high school was working at a nursing home, um, which at the time was uh, seemed lame and whatever. But in retrospect, super thankful for like a lot of those experiences dude okay what aspect of the nursing yeah so i was just like a kitchen bitch like doing dishes bussing whatever serving meals but yeah it's just our culture is so separated from our elders in certain respects like we don't live in like cross-generational households and stuff um and i was like somewhat close to my grandparents but um yeah just like being around someone who's 109 like every day is mind-blowing crazy and then i also worked in the alzheimer's unit and that was like another big Wow. Seeing being really close to that, devastating, and at a certain point, a lot of it's just like I don't want to end up here, um, and not just the Alzheimer's, just like a lot of f- folks end up in nursing homes because of like abandonment. Like that's not always true. Like there's some people who like enjoy being there, and just from a like what they need perspective with with care oh, and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. But there's some people there where you could just tell like the. Kids are just like putting them there, waiting for them to die, which is super sad. And that's what I was in my head. Like the main lesson about working in a nursing home throughout high school is like, I do not want to end up like abandoned in one of these places and like fed full of pills and like, yeah, you know, the Alzheimer's thing and dementia. It's so brutal because even the most well-intentioned, my my grandmother's going through it right now. We're we're watching dementia like just chip away at her, and it's it like I'll be on the phone and like trying not to cry because she's asking me the same question that she did the day before and you can tell she legitimately does not have any Mm. clue or she'll say things like you know my my uncle from arizona is visiting this weekend and he was there kind of late the other night and she was like oh you probably need to get going you got work tomorrow and it's like oh no Mm. so it's it's fucking like soul crushing to to watch i mean the matriarch of our family just yeah, going down it, it like robs you of of them but at the same time almost like dances on your memory of them because they're still there degrading and mm-hmm. it's just such a not dignified like way to end your life yeah. um there's and the- that's like you don't want your last memories that you are in your loved one's minds that you're leaving behind to be of like that kind of stuff. So yeah, like terrifying for sure. And just watching like, 
anyone who's gone through that journey of eventually like in- internalizes what it means and stuff. But man, I'd see families like show up for their whatever once quarterly visit they give to grandma mm. and be like hopeful that she'd like re- it got better somehow uh. or like don't you remember like this is your grandson like don't and they're just, it's a hopeless battle like yeah. I, you have to do it because they're still your grandma your mom and everything but yeah so that stuff was just you know like a 15 year old just watching that like wow life's tough man yeah. <laughs> take care of my brain there's there's no like it's like Alzheimer's and dementia are so weird because there's there's no like cancer will take somebody away and like there's all these awful things that happen to people in, in the way that uh, their life gets taken away. But with Alzheimer's and dementia, you lose the aspect of them that you can't see mm. the the internal stuff of like they're not walking with a limp or they're not you know what I mean mm-hmm. like they're not losing their hair. It's you you look at them and as you're walking towards them you're like okay they're gonna remember that this is gonna happen and and it's just there's there's zero happy version yeah. of Alzheimer's or dementia because it just always gets worse yep. it's so fucking sad yeah I mean and then you also get the really just fascinating like miracle moments um mm. as a teenager that really stand out to me like we had this nun who was just one of the like the loonier more entertaining residents <laughs> like just made no sense but was so animated and just like so in to the delusions you know like no i am late for the school bus me oh. and my little brother need to and she's like 89 you know we need to get to school like and like just so adamant about it and then one day we made um we got uh saint john's bread as like a special treat okay and like put it in the toaster and that smell because i know your olfactory senses are like really connected to your memory um like that smell wafted over and when it hit her it was the first time in like five years of working there she just like became herself immediately and was like oh my gosh that's saint john's bread like i haven't been to the the campus in like this many years and i used to like work there as a nurse and like this and that and for like 10 minutes like while she's eating this bread just like there like on it and then as soon as it's the bread's gone, it's just that's back so to wild, insane, yeah, dude. The brain's just nuts. I know people are like terrified of um, like the um, uh, what do they call it? The uh, uh, when AI takes over, singularity, singularity. Yeah, everybody's all terrified of that. But the Neuralink thing that Elon's talking about potentially could solve those issues Mm -hmm. which is fascinating yeah i'm willing to become a robot if it means that i'm not you know thinking that i'm riding the bus at 89 absolutely yeah i'm way more interested in like the augmentation stuff um like i think Neuralink is kind of like that it's like you're augmenting your brain rather than like the downloading consciousness the side of it to me is freaky because have you seen the movie The Prestige? Oh yeah, it's like you're cloning your is, like is that you? If it's a copy of you, it depends on how consciousness I, works, exact, right? And and if you're the copy, yeah, of course it's you. Like of course it's me. <laughs> I'm the original. But like, what do you you know? So a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. I don't know if we're gonna um. And that's kind of my main concern and like what I think like smart people's concern about this stuff is just like no regulation. And oh, yeah, you know, by the time it's ready, he's going to be like implanting it in people before like our (laughs) 80 year old politicians have any idea 
what the implications are. Yeah. Like they're just incapable of understanding it. I mean, we all are because it's so new. And that's kind of my concern with like AI and stuff is just like, no, it's just on such a ramp up. Like technology is just exponentially growing and we're mm-hmm. just like really behind and like well, uh, thinking about what the consequences are. We just jump in, which, you know, that's what humans do. Well, that's about. the funny thing. Like the the like hard nosed stance on marijuana. Right. Mm-hmm. As far as the government's concerned, like they're so positive that they know what's going on. But when it comes to technology, they're like, oh, that's what my grandson does. I don't, uh, yeah, I guess, go for it. Like, it was so obvious when they uh, when they had um, Zuckerberg for that deposition. Like, they aren't even using the terms right. They're just no, like, oh, not even close. The Facebooks is doing this. Like, just you clear mis- misunderstanding at like a fundamental level of how, how technology How come is. when I log into my email, I can't see what my daughter is posting on Facebook? Yeah. It, <laughs> and there's like so many real concerns about just losing all of our rights to our data oh, and yeah. everything and just not brought up because they can't even like get past the like login step. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, meta to me is l- literally an episode of Black Mirror. Like it's it's taking the worst aspects of our society, like defining them as necessary and then just like cranking up like all the shitty parts about like corporatism and advertising and like all of this. Well, I mean, is it even working? Mm, I mean, working in the sense that they're dumping a bunch of money and like (laughs) some people are paying millions for useless crap like that doesn't exist. And I think in their mind, what what works is what generates capital. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to (laughs) work. But no, I mean, he's losing tons of money. But I think it's also a lot to do with like Apple and Google yoinking the data rights away from Facebook. Uh They're, They're making you opt in. Um Oh. Instead of just automatically, yeah. So I think that's like smashed their revenue, but a lot of it's getting blamed on like, haha, Meta's not working. Look at Facebook <laughs> losing all this money, which I'm like reveling in. I'm like, yes, for sure, yeah. And and the uh, the what was it? Bailey Ray's barbecue sauce on the bookshelf. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, every. I mean, have you seen any videos of him like barbecuing <laughs> with his oh, buddies? Yeah. It's so cringy and like. <sighs> The lack of self-awareness, it's just when people hit a certain level, they don't have any, they're all surrounded by yes men. There's oh, no yeah. one in their life that's like, Mark, like, love you, dude. Like, I love barbecuing with you. Just just to let you know, that video is horrible. <laughs> and like, no one is, is, this is not a good look for you, dude. Like, you're just not a public speaker, man. It's fine. Like, you're yeah. a tech dude. Just don't post that. But no, of course, they're all like, yeah, that was awesome, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on about all that shit. The reason I've got you here today, and I'm yeah. super excited. So so I have to preface this, obviously, being an addict, that like I'm not endorsing yeah. drugs and, and all that stuff. Like This is not like a thumbs up to go fucking ham and, and do a bunch of shit, because in the wrong environment, in the wrong mindset, and in talking with you, the, the level of self-awareness that you have and your outlook on life, like, you, that's the perfect like specimen in my mind to be doing some of the things that you do because yeah. if you're if you've experienced trauma if you have serious mental health issues adding on psychedelics is not 
a, a positive thing. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I mean, before we get into it, I would have the same preface it like, Hey, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Um, so even some of like what I say from my experience might just straight up not be true. Um, <laughs> but also I would, you know, I'm super careful about like what I recommend to people and I would only recommend anything if I know them very well and yeah. like know the context very well. Um, because I forget like the set and setting there's like those three pieces that are really important for like any kind of experience, but, um, it can go horribly wrong. Even if you are like in a great spot in your life, you really have all them boxes checked. Like neurochemistry is crazy. <laughs> We're all different. And, uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen some bad trips, but just more generally, it just not clicking with people, not a good thing, not a good part of their life and stuff. So yeah, I would just, um, don't listen to a podcast and be like, Oh, I want to try that. Like, um, yeah, Joe Rogan is not a doctor. He's a comedian, first and foremost. Right. So don't take his shit seriously. And definitely don't take us seriously. Right. Yep. <laughs> all, all of that stuff. So, I mean, I can talk about my personal experience and, like, the stuff I've read about it, but I would just, like, really lean on, um, like, medical professionals, mental health professionals in your life. If you have any of those, talk it through with them, like, the people close with you, you know, make sure you're not just going uh, AWOL on it and um, give it, it deserves respect, Obviously, those kind of experiences, um, your brain is so fragile and stuff. So um, for me, uh, I my whole thing has been like, don't force an experience like I want to do this. It's a random weekend. My buddy gave me some mushrooms. So I'm just going to try. <laughs> like for me, it's always been like I wait for the experience to present itself. I wait for like all the time to be right or like I'm in a good spot. I want to do this. I'm excited. I have like responsible people around. Like all those boxes are checked and the experiences come up. Like if you're a patient, it, it happens and there's stuff I haven't done just because I'm not going to like force it. So, so yeah, I think that's all the, the requisite. Like <laughs> be careful. Yeah. All that being said. Um, so growing up, did like, did your friends smoke weed or anything like that? Or did this come later in life? Mm, growing up was like super sheltered in that respect. It's, I, I can't even remember what my, I mean, I went through dare. So I had like really? the worst foundation. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, I, sorry if there's like dare warriors out there, but I think the statistics have proven it was super ineffective. And just like some of those statistics, like one joint is worse than five cigarettes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just wrong. <laughs> it's just wrong. Um, so anyway, I, like I had foundations like that, like Reagan esque fear mongering stuff. But did you do you remember Truth? It, they it had sounds, like the orange billboards, and it was Truth was almost like spelled in Braille. Yeah, I do know what you're talking about because um, I was a part of that Truth. So did that come after Dare? Truth? Yeah. Okay. So after That's funny. Um, and were they trying to like clean up some? And I'm, it's funny, I see a Dare shirt on your monitor there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> So it, it be, like that started the train of thought of like, is the problem the existence of cigarettes or that like people just will drink the Kool-Aid of an advertising thing? Yeah. And that's more of a societal thing than it is any one product. We get convinced to do all kinds of shit that is in no way good for us. Right. Like, think about the percentage of commercials for foods that are terrible for you yep. versus all of the good stuff. Like, it's so dispro disproportionate. And so I, like, started down that track, and then I was like, drugs. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. I think um, 
it's kind of like the problem with social media. It's not its existence. It's just our relationship with it. And they just like really crank up the most addictive parts of it due to capitalism, you know, and the same thing with cigarettes is it's not just tobacco in there. It's like they put anything in there that gets you and the advertising and like the, the brain hacking. I know that's a big thing with social Mm. media, how you're just like, they've, they have scientists hundreds of scientists who studied their whole life about how to hack your brain against your stupid monkey brain. <laughs> Obviously they win. So yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah. So I don't remember what, uh, what I thought about drugs. Um, but I can remember like the first time my buddy's like, I got some weed and he was like beating around the bush about it. Like he's being so coy, like so afraid to like bring it up. But eventually it got down to like a, what do you think about weed? And I'm like, I don't know, man, like heard some stuff. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got some. <laughs> and then we're like, and I'm like, ah, I wouldn't do weed. I don't do weed. I don't do weed. And he's like, yeah, me neither, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but maybe I see it. Maybe I look at it. <laughs> he's like, go get it. He like gets it. I'm like, ah, I'm the, he's like, let me smell it. Nah, I don't want it. And he's like, are we going to smoke this weed or what? Yeah, let's go smoke this weed. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember, yeah, I think that was, uh, yeah, that was in high school. And, um, you know, still battling in my brain, like, is this a drug? Like, how bad is this? Like, you know, I should really only do this on special occasion. Like, really trying to find out, like, what's true about it. Because, again, you're just, like, so not educated in a good way about it that mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. Didn't really know anything, like, experientially, like, am I safe to, like, hold a conversation, to talk, to like, all that stuff. But you figure that out. And, um, yeah, so I, like, became familiar with weed in high school for sure. And then, like, knew who the stoners were in my grade and stuff and then like by the time you graduate it's kind of finally like okay some people just like weed but um I was like really against almost all other drugs in high school because I had friends who were just like clearly the people who are going to end up abusing drugs started abusing drugs in high school like there's a certain percentage of people it's just not good for them and when when it's introduced it's downhill um so I remember like ecstasy was big in my grade and then like if you get like oxy or vicodin or percocet mm-hmm. that was like before anyone knew any about how bad oxy was and stuff it was just fun yeah like as it was talked about and i just like had certain friends where it just like clearly became their life they're already going downhill and i just remember thinking like that's not gonna be me fuck that like fuck ecstasy you just have friends who just like as all they talk about and then they like <laughs> show up to school on monday and they do not look good like didn't is not a good weekend for them but they thought it was like talking about it like it was so much fun and just like and I, yeah, I'd, I'd been offered like a ton of stuff, um, in high school, like always passed on it. I didn't even smoke tobacco until I was like 22. Mm. Yeah. It's like my dad smoked it. like, just didn't like it. Like it stunk. My mom would bitch at him about it. And as a kid, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, fuck those. <laughs> um, so yeah, I didn't just avoided everything and had that mentality in high school. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I occasionally smoke some weed. That's fine. But, uh, you know, that's a plant. Like kind of had that. Oh, also, yeah. like, not good mentality of, like, it's just a plant, man. Like, it's not <laughs> that bad. Um, but I wouldn't even say I was, like, a huge stoner in high school, but it just, like, stayed pretty steady throughout college. Um, and the first other thing I tried was uh, mushrooms, mm-hmm. which I think is honestly, like... Now, were you festival going at this point? No. No, okay. No. I wish I was. I wish we went to like more concerts uh, in high school and stuff. Not really a thing in our family. And just like, where are you going to go in St. Cloud? Didn't get down to the cities that much. My brother would bring me to 
to some stuff once I was old enough, which was sweet, like getting into the metal scene and punk mm. shows and stuff. Um, hip hop, we're big into like atmosphere and oh, like yeah. the Minneapolis underground hip hop, Brother Ali. PLS. Brother Ali, yeah. yeah. Just great, great scene. <laughs> so that was really fun. And like, yeah, I'd bring a doobie to those and stuff. Um, but I wouldn't even have known like, if someone was like discreet, not even discreetly, just like railing a line of Coke or something or like taking a spoon or whatever. Like I wouldn't even, uh, I'm just like kind of oblivious to that. Yeah. Wouldn't even have like noticed. Or if someone's like, I would just assume they're weird if they're like all jacked up and like their pupils are huge. Um, yeah, I didn't get into festivals until probably it was like 20, well, 20, 23, 24. So even after college. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for me, it was always just recreational. The mushrooms came up. I think a buddy just had them and we're like, I'm going to the cabin and try these. And I'd like heard of them enough at that point and like known people who'd done them and like, yeah, it was a great time. And like people that not just like the burnouts, Oh yeah, you know, yep. people I'd respected. Um, and you know, now we're kind of getting into the period where like more is getting, being learned about it, you know, at that point, Joe Rogan had his podcast and started, like, you know, he's having Dennis Leary on and like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, some of the psychonauts. Um, and I've, I'm like, oh, I've always been an avid reader and um, on Reddit and stuff like articles. Oh, OK. So kind of kind of kept up with the science. And yeah, by the time it came up, I was like, yeah, I'm in. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a good time. It's a good time. Um, just ate some mushrooms, went out to the cabin and the that first mushroom trip was probably like the biggest step forward psychologically I've ever had in my life. Oh, wow. Like the first one just hit the hardest because it was, um, we were like ate them and then we're driving out. It was like a half hour drive to my cabin. Um, and you know, I'd had some alcohol, uh, at this point I wasn't a huge drinker, but like I'd been drunk before. Oh, okay. I'd smoked weed, been stoned before. And just, you're kind of trying to figure out like, is this doing anything? What is this doing? Like what? And like in the car when you're like bumping and stuff, I'm like, I feel kind of weird, but like still pretty normal. Like I, I wouldn't guarantee I'm like tripping. And then like one step out the car door when we got there and it was like, <laughs> like the wind felt weird, like colors I'd never seen before smells I'd never seen before. So like in one instant, I would say like that leap forward I mentioned was like, oh, wow, there are different ways to perceive reality. Like it's and equally valid. It obviously when you're like really tripping, you might be manifesting things that aren't there. But like a lot of like, you know, low to mid grade experiences, um, it's the colors you're seeing, you're seeing right. Like vi mm -hmm. vision is just your perception. It's all subjective. And yet I saw stuff, colors that were very real. Uh, that I'd never seen before. So I really opened the door to like, holy cow, like a lot of what's going on around us is just our, our mind, like kind of on autopilot, filling in gaps, but you can like get past that and see it in a different way, a new way. Um, so I think that was just like the aha moment. Nothing crazy about like epiphanies, like, oh, my life is true. But just <laughs> just that simple fact of like, oh, wow, there, there, there's different ways to experience life that are interesting and hold some value. I was really frustrated. I like couldn't really hold a conversation. Uh, and that, that to me remains with, with psilocybin is it like, it feels really good. And like, it feels like I'm having deep thoughts in my head and like kind of stringing together some, something nearing an epiphany, but never quite get there. Never can like quite get the sentence out, get the epiphany, like feel like, aha, I'm on the top of the mountain. It's always like, 
almost there, almost there. It's like the feeling of like, I'm about to realize and then just never quite like getting there for me. Um, so that was like kind of frustrating about it. Uh, That's still, interesting. Still liked it. I I guess I, I didn't know about that correlation with, uh, with psilocybin. The... Some people, so everyone's different, and okay, some people okay. totally disagree with me on that, and are like, "Oh no, like I'm just like Socrates, like sitting there <laughs> and just like can like solve the world's problems, you know? Give me a gram of mushrooms, and like we'll we'll chat it out." That, that's not a chatty thing for me. For me, it's like going on a walk and just like feeling good, and just like, "Wow, this is like really cool." Um, for me, like the because I I did it uh, three or four times. And I remember the first time, no, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So it, it worked three or four times, but the very first time, ate a bunch, zero effects. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, what a bummer. Maybe I'm one of those people where like I don't have the whatever receptors for it to, mm-hmm. to hit. Second time I did them, uh, I was with these kids in Connecticut, and it was I had such a weird, like... I had such weird availability to or access to what were perceived as sketchy people, right? Like, so mm-hmm. Dare would show us that anybody who dealt drugs was bordering homelessness and like mm-hmm. just insane. Yeah. I was in like a mansion mm-hmm. and the family made chocolate mushrooms. Like, that was what they did. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, how much for that? And they're like, oh, you, you've never done them before? Oh, I'm like, well, I tried and it didn't work. And they're like, oh, well, dude, just don't worry about it. And I'm like, oh, my God. And we watched Bad Santa and they gave me these, That's these awesome two, two uh, chocolates filled with mushrooms. So you couldn't even taste them. Mm-hmm. And I remember when it hit, like when it finally hit, like just laughing my ass off. But then uh, they took me skating afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't believe that I can skate while I'm doing this right now. And then by the time they took me home, I like had a full blown, like I closed my eyes and it kind of looked like the Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Like I was underwater, everything was lit up. Yeah. Uh, but I think I it was I was perceiving it as Atlantis and like it was just like I couldn't believe it. And then I think I heard like a ping from like MSN Messenger or something and like snapped out of it for a second. It was just like, oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah, I'm, I've never got heavy visuals, so like kind of jealous of those people. Um, but I think also what you marry it with yeah. is a huge thing. Oh, like, absolutely. Smoke the right weed with it. Yeah. And I feel like it enhances that experience. Oh, yeah, anything. I mean, smoking a cigarette with it. Like for me, that's that's a big thing um, with uh, almost any psychedelic experiences. I, I'm not a huge smoker, but smoking on something is super grounding and ah. like um, can bring you back a little bit, settle you down, even yeah. though it's like settle down, have a cigarette is like hilariously oxymoron. But uh, for me, it's just familiar and I can like feel, feel it. Like I'm a lot more conscious of like feeling the nicotine go through my body. Like, Oh, wow. I was going to say, cause what nicotine is a new tropic. Yeah. So it, yeah, it activates this that's something within your brain. So something's being stimulated. Yeah. So yeah, there's and it, and it's weird because like alcohol is the opposite with me on mushrooms. Like, I, again, and it's like you said, a lot of what you bring into it. And I know alcohol's bad and doesn't have as many medical uses as a lot of like what I'll talk about. But um, 
I can like drink it and I can like feel it shutting down mm. my body and making me stupid. Like I'm having this awesome experience, all these thoughts, all these colors, like, oh my gosh, I'm so like, everything's so profound. And then like take a shot and it's like, <laughs> like all of a sudden I'm a little dumber and it's a little less bright and whatever. So yeah, I mean, um, I did mushrooms a couple times, not, not never enormous, like heroic dose, which is three and a half grams is mm. what, um, Terrence McKenna, um, would call a heroic dose. And, um, I think that's the one where you're kind of that, I think that's the prescription. If you kind of want to have like an out of body experience, lose your ego, like kind of get lost in the sauce, three and a half grams is kind of it. Um, but, uh, I feel like the, the weird balance of like what you're willing to go through to have that experience, (laughs) because you're you're pushing your your body to its limits Mm -hmm. for like i think about that like with people who do ayahuasca Mm -hmm. like or peyote like you're willing to you know that your body is going to have a negative reaction but your mental state is going to be this incredible thing so like everything it's it's interesting the way that people weigh the pros and cons and they're like you know what? I I haven't gotten over my dad dying, so I'm willing to go rocket vomit in a hut in the middle of nowhere so that I can <laughs> get closure. For sure, and I mean, I am a huge advocate of indigenous ceremony built around all all of these and and the the culture, the indigenous culture around all of these medicines. It exists. Like, pick a medicine, and there's like indigenous ceremonies built around it. And I don't think they knew like the psychology and the science behind it when they're developing these ceremonies, but through trial and error they have it down pat where it's like the shaman is not just like some dude who does a lot of mushrooms. Like he knows how it affects you. He, he can like see in your body language, what you need. If you're having a bad trip, a good trip, he knows how to set it up. Like the songs they sing and the drumming they do is like so satisfying. It, it pairs so well. Like they figured it out, like how to present this in a good way and for it to be healthy and stuff. Um, and with ayahuasca and peyote, like, you could go into it with like a very Western dare mindset of like, it's so bad for you. It's like killing your body and you're going to puke and it's going to be horrible. Like literally a nightmare. You're going to be so sick. But, um, the ceremonies I've been involved in it, like the purge quote unquote is a good thing. Like you're getting your demons out. Like you're you're puking out stuff you, you don't want in you. Mm. And like that spin, the first time I ever did peyote, I got, I'm kind of a puker. I got, so ill like pukey (laughs) and puked like so much i felt like actually bad it was like such a spectacle of like (laughs) and but there's like the people on either side of me like rubbing my back like dude that was amazing like well done that looks so satisfying and in real time it went from like this sucks to like that actually did feel really good and like wow and like looking at it and kind of tripping and like it was like black shit like not actually black shit but like I'm like, oh my God, I literally just puked up some trauma and like some demons and shit and like sat back down like, I'm like way better for that purge. Um, That's fascinating. So yeah, they've like really contextualized it in a good way. Um, Where did you, were you in Arizona by chance? um, My first peyote ceremony is in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Um, I've done it like five or six times now, um, TP ceremonies with peyote. So yeah, it's like they, to... I mean, I think it's a good transition talking about that after my mushroom experience is like kind of my introduction into like the next step of plant medicine. And then peyote, I think, is like 
a, a nice compliment because it's not. Um, oh yeah, I should ask before we go into that. Like so, so you do mushrooms. Did that um, like awaken? you to do more research into yeah it just makes me call bullshit on like a lot of stuff i'd been told (laughs) and not even just about psychedelics like just it puts you in a different mindset and for me a lot of it was like really in tune with nature and seeing like litter and stuff and like what we've been doing like even around my cabin like all these like bougie mansions that just destroyed the lake shore and Mm -hmm. just like really woke me up to like man the way we're living there's aspects that just are not good for us (laughs) not good for our environment and all of that um, and it, it made me call bullshit on kind of the mainstream narrative about like a lot of this stuff. Um, the first, yeah, that first thing. So by the time the peyote became an option, like really trusted friend of mine is like, Hey, I've been doing these ceremonies for a while. They're incredible. Like literally life changing. I've seen people healed. I've seen people turn their life around. Like it doesn't have to be that for you, but it, if you want, you should come to one of these ceremonies. If you don't want to drink the peyote, it's fine. Um, you can just support oh, you drink it. Oh, you do it all. Um, <laughs> but you you can just you can just support. Um, you know, people need firewood, people need food, people need water, like we need help raising the teepee, we need help building the altar. Like there's a lot of you know, support. Like, check it out. If you like it and you feel comfortable, have some. No big deal. Uh otherwise. And um, I mean, I've I'm always uh dive head first type guy, so I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it. And uh yeah. Yeah, first um ceremony was I mean, just incredible. Um have no idea what's going on like culturally like all the songs are oh sure in like lakota or spanish i mean there's some english song but not really um all of the weird symbology like everything anyone is doing no context no idea what's going on like oh like am i supposed to pass this is my (laughs) like like literally all of that which to me is like even more entertaining there's like this mystery about it that like clearly everything is intentional like hyper intentional but I have no idea what the intention is. Like I brought my own intention, which was great. Um, and what I like held on to throughout it. Um, I mean, now I've learned a ton about it, but, um, yeah, that first one was so mind blowing watching all of this. Just, wow. Uh, such a good time. Such a good time. That's really interesting. Like, so my uncle did peyote back in the Mm seventies. And like I said, he was, um, he was in Arizona and the the way that they did it was really interesting so they had i don't know if you would call him a shaman because i don't know what he never really explained to me how this guy operated or whatever but there was six of them and the guy was like all right before we do this everybody needs to dig a little hole and for puking for puking Yeah, yeah yeah so that was super interesting to be like you're that part of that thing where you're like you're accepting this you now you're putting in actual work towards yeah yeah i mean that's all part of it i think kind of going back all the way to like us talking about tobacco and why our relationship is so bad with it like in native american culture tobacco is sacred and yeah obviously there's addiction problems on the res and all of that but it's such a healthier relationship to be intentional with it like i am smoking this tobacco for a reason Mm -hmm. um It's not just like pull it out of the pack and light it like it's like holding it, praying on it, doing what they do with it, you know, whatever the ceremony is, putting it in the pipe, blessing the pipe, smudging the pipe, passing the pipe. Like it's this whole ceremony built around it, just enjoying tobacco. And sometimes Mm. in their mind, it's not even it's like a ceremonial thing. It's not for the the nicotine. Um, But there's like a whole campaign about like keep tobacco sacred on the res um, Mm. because, yeah, they want to 
keep it a ritual because it's such a healthy relationship. And say so with peyote, it's like if someone was just taking some peyote out of the teepee and doing it recreationally, like historically that'd be viewed as like horrible behavior and it's just not really allowed. Like you keep it sacred, you keep it in context. Yeah. Um, God, I feel like that would be such an awful thing to be addicted to. Like, yeah, it's, it's anti-addictive though. And so, so is psilocybin really at its core. Like you don't get done with a heroic dose and be like, I want to do that again right away. <laughs> like it, it, the nature of the experience, like almost like I don't want to do that again. Mm. And then some time goes on and you're like, I do want to do that again. I mean, that's, that's in my mind. And peyote is like, especially like that. And I think there is some, like, uh, some neurochemical, whatever medical explanation of like why it's anti-addictive, but. I mean, there's people with personalities who can make anything oh, a yeah, vice, yeah, yeah. but peyote would be a, a real tough one, <laughs> a real tough one to make. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, where where do you, where are you mentally that yeah. that's the thing that you're going to go force yourself to do? But that, I mean, that's cool. It sounds, sounds like he probably had a roadman, which is kind of what like peyote shamans would be called. Um, and it grows in the Southwest, so it makes sense to do it down in Arizona. Um, I mean, I've done it in like legal religious contexts. Mm. Um, on a res administered by a roadman, um, and it, it's all legal. So what what does that experience feel like in comparison to mushrooms? Uh, to me, it was just way more, um, there's way less of a narrative behind it. Like uh-huh. I didn't have words to like really describe in my head. I didn't have like a storyline to this where there's like climaxes and stuff. It was mostly just being s- pulled super in the moment feeling like really good body stuff and the ceremony itself again like it's all for a reason it is really stimulating like Mm. there's constantly singing or praying or something going on they're they're like throwing uh copal and sage and stuff and cedar in the fire so you're getting like delicious smells and then they have like the water around where the water goes around you're drinking water and like oh my god water tastes so good like that kind of (laughs) stuff and to me it all just seemed right like this is what humans are supposed to be doing this is like good medicine for me there's times when you'd like get out there'd be like breaks you get get out of the tp and like go pee or whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and like looking up being like oh, okay yep this is kind of like my <laughs> like the stars were all connected by like lines oh. that weren't even light it was like i knew the lines were there but i couldn't see them and it was like all geometric like looking up it was like sacred geometry to infinity like oh <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um crazy stuff like that and he, like hearing like when you're singing all of a sudden maybe you're hearing some voices that like maybe aren't there uh and I, I also remember the first time i did it closing my eyes and like still being able to see everyone around the circle mm. because like th- i just had been looking at the people across from the fire and just they're such characters in my mind now that i like, close my eyes and they're still there like their personalities like the ones I was getting a lot of love from just from eye contact, like they're like glowing auras and like having moments just like during the ceremony, like something like funny happens or like something cool happens and just like making eye contact with someone and like not even gesturing just with our eyes, like, you see, <laughs> and then like later we'd like have a whole conversation about that moment between us. That was just eye contact, but like, yeah, man, I just got the sense that you were like seeing it too and you thought it was funny and I saw you think it was funny. And then they're just like this whole conversation we had just with like one second of eye contact. So stuff like that, feeling like really connected. Um, the purging only happened for me my very first time. Oh, really? Only my very first time. Interesting. It, it is upsetting to the stomach for sure. Um, I, I don't 
care who you are. It, that, <laughs> that, that is what it does. When it first hits your stomach, it rolls over like immediately. Um, and I have felt nauseous a couple other times, but there's times I've just taken my medicine, like a lot of it and fine, I'm all right. And in some cases it's like almost you can get on top of it Oh, like, interesting. and be like, like it's my turn to talk or in the circle or whatever it is and kind of just like own your moment and then like sit back down and let it take over again. Interesting. And the medicine man, he's, he's doing more than anyone. He's taking it all with you, and he's also like the conductor of an orchestra, like telling telling the the doorman to get the door, telling the fireman we need more fire, telling the water person get some water, like smudging, singing. He's doing it all, and also eating more peyote than like anyone else. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's not super intense, and that's uh, like a misconception. I mean, you can do it however you want, and I think like recreationally, like outside of indigenous culture, like it's all about getting fucked up in a sense, mm. you know, like, and I'd heard of mescaline when I was a teenager and like, it was like, my friends was trying to get fucked up, like mm-hmm. buying a cactus from Walmart and eating it. <laughs> Cause it's got mescaline in it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of history and science to those ceremonies specifically. Um, a guy named Kiwana Parker, like really interesting story. If you want to look into it, this is during the, the early res period okay. in America. And, uh, there's, all the problems that the res had, you know, um, potentially at their worst, alcoholism, theft, crime, just the loss of culture, depression off off the charts. Oh my god! Um, we I I just had uh, a Native American gal on last week. Sure, and we went over all of that stuff. Yeah, and uh, uh, raising the flag, very white dude, not a historian about this, and also the use of medicine in indigenous in indigenous circles very controversial mm. like i i have my lakota family who i sweat lodge with who i was like, just gonna ask about are, the sweat lodge are, yeah are my family like lo- and for that part of the tribe absolutely not just not part of it kind of looked down on a little bit but when this first got kicked off the whole deal was um because the the use of peyote is like does not go back that far in in history oh really yeah for i mean in mexico yeah um, but in like North American Plains Indian tribe and like the, the teepee ceremony I'm referring to is mm-hmm. a ceremony that was established, I think in like the thirties or forties, like not, not even that far back, like pretty new. Um, I mean, it borrows aspects of ceremony that go back a thousand years, but like the, the use of the, the medicine itself pretty new. And yeah, it was, uh, Kiwana Parker just knew that it was powerful medicine, um, I think he had been gifted like the altar by um, someone who knew a lot about it. Uh, maybe I, I don't know that part of the history, but anyway, um, approached the government and is like, Hey, my people like really need this medicine. It, it like, I, I promise this is good for us. Like it's not a drug. It can heal us. And the government was super skeptical, um, but they let him do trials and it, and it was something like 90% effective. I think they did, they did ceremonies like six ceremonies with 100 people who are like um, diagnosed with stuff, alcoholism, depression, and oh. it like straight up cured like almost everyone. I think there was like one or two people that wow. weren't just absolutely saved by the ceremony, and the government legalized like the this religious ceremony. Um, and then there's like weird stuff like you have to have a priest there and you have to mention Jesus what? In, in the ceremony. Yeah, because it's the 1920s U.S. Oh, 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 yeah, you gotta have. You I know, thought you were saying like still today that you have to. You do what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the priest thing, I think, is like a little I think a lot of roadmen are ordained themselves. 
Okay. So they get like I, again, I'm not no expert, but you will absolutely in most peyote ceremonies hear Jesus song. <sighs> so it's like Lakota, Lakota, ancient song, peyote song, like songs, and then all of a sudden it's like Jesus wants you this. I know my mom tells me, like shaking the rattle. Yeah, so that's that's a trippy moment too when you're like on peyote, and all of a sudden like you see Jesus in the corner, like thumbs up. But I was I mean, gonna say like that's that's like <laughs> you're tipping your hat to the yeah. people who committed mass genocide. Like yeah, wow. So not saying that's like the best part of ceremony, but it's respected and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, those are wild. Yeah, Sweat sweat Lodge is another thing. Now, that uh, that goes back as far back as culture for North American Plains Indians go. Um, and that in, is similar in so many ways where everything is so intentional and it's just down to a science, like making this Sweat Lodge work for the people. Now, with that, it's more of uh, an endurance thing, right? Like, rather than... Well... Because are you taking any substance no. when you do? Yeah, I, I mean, so. sometimes after TP, after peyote, you get in the sweat lodge. Oh, uh, you okay. can't mix them like that. Um, oh, okay. It, but no, sweat sweat lodge itself, the the anipi, like um, historically, no, it, it it was not associated with with medicines, um, but still magical. Like a lot of the same stuff, healings. It's like so good for you. And as far as like, what's it about? Endurance versus in relaxation or whatever, how I've contextualized it, like in my my circle, um, it's about sacrifice. Like we don't okay. have many opportunities to like put ourselves out there for the good of something. And sweat lodge is about bringing in intention. You never pray for yourself. Right. Um, you pray for someone for something, and you're given an opportunity to literally like sacrifice your flesh, like. Not necessarily meant to be comfortable. I love sweating, um, love love saunas. So you know, I loved it from day one. Mm-hmm. But even if I didn't, I'd be in there. And even though I do, I push myself. Like I don't bring water in. I like you can. There's tricks to like avoiding the heat. You lay down. You scoot back. Mm-hmm. You you ask for a horn of water. You bring in your top. Like there's all the you know. And a lot of people, it's it, it's not frowned upon to do any of that. It's part of the ceremony. Like if you're hot, you lay down. Or like worst case scenario, you ask to get out. Um, and I'm not just some like pussies for doing that. No, no, no. I'm not that kind of dude, but I really love that feeling of like, I'm going to push myself. I think this is important. I have this opportunity to like pray. And if I believe in this ceremony, it's like making a difference. Um, so I'm going to like go hard and I do. Um, that's, that's why when I, when I've heard about it, that's why I, I associate, I don't know why, but like endurance is this this thing that pops in my head because you're like you're saying you're you're pushing yourself for something greater than yourself for sure and it's all dialed in like you'd be surprised the the perception and this goes for Sundance as well that like people die um wow. there's a perception of that it's not really true like one or two people a year maybe um and it's like I'd never even heard that it's like I'm I'm not surprised but if you like google it maybe it's a boomer thing I was going to say, yeah. Maybe it's a boomer thing. They're like, oh, that's dangerous. You're going to get hurt or whatever. Like, I mean, Sundance is crazy because you're not eating or drinking and you're dancing for three days in the sun. You're getting oh, pierced. I, like, yep, that, yep, yep. that stuff's next level. And like, at a certain point, it's like, how don't people die? Like, what? Um, but even at Sundance, very rare. And it's usually like comorbidity thing, like like a stroke or heart. It's like so something wait, so that, you've done Sundance? 
Um, I've supported three Sundances. I haven't. Oh. I haven't danced. But, oh, okay. But, yeah, I, yeah. but I go out there. Gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. So there, there's like steps, and like you know, participating in ceremonies. There's a progression, and I've yeah, I've I've done plenty of sweat lodge. I've been had like positions in the lodge, um, which again, these are just like checking your boxes. I've supported a vision quest twice. Um, oh, vision quest is a real thing. Yes, Humblecha, it's called. Yes, wow. Vision quests are definitely a real thing. So I've supported two of those, and I've supported three Sundances. So I think like my next step is going to be doing a vision quest myself, which you would typically do the year before you Sundance or just before you Sundance. You want to do your vision quest. You usually get your vision. So that's so. So it's funny to hear that you've like, or that you are privy to all of this stuff because the person that I was talking to. Uh, the individuals who go hard in the paint like that are called, they call them tradish. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny to hear a honky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all, I'm all about the tradish. Yeah. Um, so vision quest, I, is, is that another thing where you're uh, fasting and, and oh, stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. That one is real simple to explain. I mean, there's so much to it, but, uh, like all the little specifics. And so like literally you go and find like a specific kind of like, cherry wood to make this this flag like all the, is like the colors you like wrap these prayer ties in like a certain like it gets super specific but at its base a medicine man goes and puts you up on a mountain and you're there for like a predetermined amount of time so you can just do a day you can do two days you can do three days but it translates to like crying for a vision mm. and you're just sitting on a mountain for t- traditionally if you're going all the way it's four days wow um, yep. And then you have like a little fire and if you need, if you've had your vision or you're, you have a medical issue, you light your fire, they see the smoke, they come and get you. And then he'll also like come and check on you. And, um, so there's sa- their safety protocol, but, but basically, yeah. And like the ones I do, it's like you sweat an insane sweat lodge, like a two hour most intense sweat of your life in the sweat lodge. Um, you cover the person with a blanket, you bring them from the lodge to their spot, you remove the blanket Four days later, you go back up with the blanket, put it back over them, bring them back into Sweat Lodge. Wow. You do another most intense sweat of your life, and they share their vision um, while they're there. That is wild. Insane. So stuff like that. I mean, to talk about like magic, um, just the fact someone goes through that and just listening to them tell their tale is just like a miracle in itself, like mind-blowing. That's so wild. Yeah, and Sundance is like 10 times quote-unquote more extreme <laughs> um in my mind like that's that's the real warriors like dancers like whew. like i think i sacrifice and sweat but i watch them sacrificing in the sun and i'm I, like truly my heart like goes out to them like i can feel it like holy cow thank you so much for because again it's the same sort of thing they have an intention they aren't doing this for themselves they have a prayer mm. they believe dancing does something it matters um and just the fact that they believe that and they're willing to go that far, I'm just there to support, like, just in every way. It's interesting, like, when when I hear this stuff and I get excited because my brain processes it in a different way. Because I'm an atheist, the way that I view... By the way, I am too. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. So, I'm curious if you have the same concept then <laughs> where... Like, I mean, you alluded to before where like reality is subjective uh, to a point, right? So 
like I don't believe in ghosts or anything like that. But if somebody has a paranormal experience, right? Mm-hmm. They see this happen. They hear that happen. It doesn't matter whether it actually happened or not. Mm-hmm. If you believe it so, I believe, uh, what is it, fervently, mm-hmm. that you know it traumatized you, mm-hmm. then your brain created a reality in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. So when I hear that stuff, what I think about is I'm fairly confident that there are other dimensions and, and things of that nature, right? Hey, now we're getting into it. <laughs> but when it comes to my current reality, it's fascinating to me that my own brain can create its realities. Yeah. So th- that whole thing, to whenever I hear about this stuff, that's what I think is like, it's, it's so... Like people like who believe in God and all of these other different planes of existence and stuff, it's like that's cool. But like, there are real world instances where you can have an out of body experience or an otherworldly experience because of these things. So what your brain can do is so much more fascinating to me than oh, for sure, right? For sure, yeah. I mean, I it's it's been a challenging journey for me to internalize like some of the things I've witnessed, um, the quote unquote magic, uh, just seem truly inexplicable things. And, and my, my atheism is like a very soft atheist. Like I Mm. just can honestly say, I don't believe in God, any God. I don't know shit, dude. Like, I don't know. Like I'm, I don't, I'm not claiming no God. I'm not claiming supernatural shit. Don't like we find out more and more. And then the supernatural becomes natural when we figure mm-hmm. out a way to explain it. And like we've we're just finding out we're like so empathetic in ways we don't know. Like we're so connected somehow in ways we don't know with nature. Nature has these weird things that like seem yeah. impossible. Whenever somebody confronts me about like, so you don't believe in anything? Well, like the, the everything is meaningless. And it's, it's like, like, no, dude, there are living creatures who are able to bioluminescent, right? Right. A, a, a living organism can create light like that is magical and something that you can truly see. Like, why do I need more? Why do I need ghosts and demons and shit when like you can watch a documentary and, and see things that I probably will never see in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I know that they exist, a, the fact that a black hole exists, like right. there's so many real things that are. It, I would and, never be able to explain. Right. Right. <laughs> so when I, and I like have to cut myself off at a certain point because, um, I'm a big believer that like, if you see truly magical shit, you shouldn't overanalyze it and talk about it all the time and like talk it up and stuff. And that's a big thing in, in ceremony is like mm. the spirits go away when you start trying to like take pictures and like photograph and like videotape and like start, running your lips and like talking about an experience you had, you're not going to have that experience again. That's like a big thing, which like in ways for me kind of explained why a lot of this, like I witnessed some stuff that I'm like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, are you telling me? And they're like, yeah, this happens every year here. And I'm just like, no, what? And they're like, yeah, but we don't talk about it. Like, that's the whole thing. Like it happens here. We don't bring it anywhere else. And like, if someone does, they aren't invited next or like whatever it is. So, Yeah, I don't try to explain it, but for me, it's like, like I said, a lot of, a lot of, and it's not even just indigenous culture, but culture in general, humans in general, I think we've, we've developed like a lot, a lot of knowledge that we don't have like the science behind yet a lot like to explain. 
and like psychedelics are a great example of like there's ways you can use them that can do incredible things doesn't mean i know how to like explain all of that but it doesn't mean it's not incredible yeah and same with sweat like i've seen healings for instance like very generally like cancer healings like eradication of cancer through ceremony and maybe it's mind over matter maybe it's dimensional shit maybe it's aliens answering <laughs> like maybe it's like the heat itself like there could be so many reasons someone could have their cancer eradicated through sweat or maybe it's not maybe it's other things that, like have i don't you, care i don't try to explain it i saw it happen i know it happened like incredible have you heard of the ice man yeah okay huff i can never remember yes yeah, something but Hoff. he's uh from is it the denmark i don't know he's got a wild accent that's all i know yeah i, I think he lives in amsterdam yeah. but but ultimate rate, mind over matter example yes and when when people uh, myself included right when when i hear somebody was able to heal cancer get rid of cancer without any medicinal truly medicinal things right mm -hmm. science mm -hmm. when i learned about that guy the idea that um we have control over our bodies but we don't at the same time there's a lot that we can't uh, with our motor skills really control. Like I can't tell my liver what to do. There's uh, what I call uh, passive survival skills, right? Yeah. I'm not actively saying blink now. Auto there's all the autonomous functions of yes. the body. Yeah. So, but when you, you, it is within reason to say it's possible to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And with, you know, there's been trillions of people that have lived on this earth. Right. Currently, I mean, we're always surface at around six to seven billion people inhabiting the earth. Mm -hmm. So if you think about these trillions of opportunities, mathematically speaking, then yes, there are going to be instances like where truly miracles. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And they could be explained for sure. That's yeah. part of the human existence is we're always looking for purpose, meaning uh, some way to explain an aspect of of our lives and that's why a lot of religion happened is because the i th i think like the biggest it's ironic because i feel it's super important but one of the biggest downfalls of humanity is the why oh yeah we kept doing the why thing and when we ran out of ways to explain it we're like okay well it's got to be something we can't see and so, right. You know, and what then I mean? like, like I think the worst. I, I think it's fine to ask why, but the worst part of it is never taking. I don't know for an answer. Yes, it's like because then as soon as you think you have an answer, stop asking why. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it's God. I don't need to know anything else. It's yeah. like uh, it really shuts your brain off. To yeah. yeah, like I said that, and I was like, I w I was a theist still the first time I took those mushrooms, but like a few psychedelic experiences later really broke me of like <laughs> it it's uh all the all of those specifics that i'd like had been dogmatized in my head were kind of proven invalid and it was just like so clearly um a lot less going on in some sense like there's not like some puppeteer um but a lot more going on in other senses that explain a lot of the magic and and well, like the feelings yeah. of significance and purpose hey dude i got a piece so oh yeah yeah go for it it's a perfect opportunity to mention that uh if you're into comedy and gaming uh you can 
follow Dude Absolutely podcast. Uh, myself and fellow comedian Alex Petra and the ever hilarious and wonderful producer Mara Brusca uh, release an episode every Tuesday. And you can now follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash dudeabsolutelypod. Uh, now we're playing games online live, so you can interact with us and ask questions. You can even ask me questions about this. I'm usually the one that's playing silly kid games on online, so if you have questions about mental health or addiction or anything, more than willing to, to answer those. And uh, back to the show. So your your path of um, you know this self realization and things. Mm-hmm. So you went uh, mushrooms. What was the? Do you recall the next thing you tried? I think it would have been peyote. Honestly. Oh really? Yeah, I didn't get acid to work for me until. No, that's not true. Acid was no peyote was next. <laughs> yep, sorry. And then it was acid. That's a wild step to go. Yeah. Because there's um, so much more involved. Like acid, you go to a fish concert and some guy will give you yeah. wh- however many tabs. But with peyote, that's a su- a massive commitment. Yeah, and I never really, ex- <laughs> you asked, but I never really explained, somewhat to avoid, like I don't get too far into the specifics of ceremony, you just gotta go there if you're interested. But um, it's, there's a few different forms it can take, but typically it'll be like dried out snuff type stuff that you like okay. fill your mouth with. And it's, not good tasting <laughs> almost like the cinnamon challenge you're like oh my goodness oh <laughs> and then right behind the snuff comes tea oh. and then you wash it down with the tea so you got powder and you got tea and then you can also eat like the raw like buds um like the little flowery See, and that's what i had always thought that it was was you're you're eating those you, those things you can i that's like the least common form that i've seen because i think it's kind of like the hardest to like chew and get down and i mm-hmm. think you just get like a lot more bang Pound, pound for pound if you're like doing the, like the dried or the tea mm-hmm. um and it's like a lot in ceremony it goes <laughs> it goes around four times so it's like a mouthful of powder a cup full of tea four times and it's you know like for, again my first time i like just after the first round just puked my soul out and then it's wow. coming around three more times and you can take as much as you want and sometimes like the medicine man helps you like how much i take you know he'll he'll knock it out for you but sometimes he's like no I can tell you need more than that. Like, you're going to do a little more. And you're like, oh, he's like, it's fine. You're fine. That's fascinating. Okay. He's never been wrong. But yeah, it's, uh, so that it's like intimidating when it was coming around. So like the first time I did it, I, you know, really curbed like a little spoonful. So I'm going to do it. But yeah, I was, uh, I mean, I'd sweat a lot. So I was like kind of comfortable in like in trying ceremony and stuff. And to me, this is just like, raising a teepee and going in a teepee is just another ceremony that has, you know, a uh, uh, trippy aspect to it. Oh, oh okay. N- yeah. Nothing like super out of, like if I had never done anything like ceremony wise and just showed up at a teepee, it would have been like way overwhelming. But yeah, that, that was fine. And I went with like one of my best friends ever. Um, trust him, which helps again. Uh, now are, are they native themselves or? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So that's, and that's the other thing is like, is, is these ceremonies, um, co- depending on where you're going, it's only like quasi truly native. Like they've been really commandeered by like not good medicine men and Western culture and 
just hippies and partying and so like you could go to one that's just not legit at all and it's just mm. a you know whatever um i try to you know look for authentic experiences and stuff that i i trust i know the medicine man and stuff like that um but there's some that are also really respected like the other way like medicine men who are so respected they get flown all around the world to host ceremonies wow and people fly all the all around the from around the world to them for healing or whatever it is um, did you hear about uh flea going to a ceremony in north dakota no so that's awesome yeah, yeah yeah so he went he didn't announce it to anybody and like didn't post anything until well after it had happened he like was so adamant about being like this isn't like something that you go and do for vacation mm -mm. or like this is extremely important and i would not be able to have an experience like this were it not for my friend and his tribe willing to let me be a part of right. this so like I love that the the people who seem to really embrace it don't advertise it. Right. Like Phil Jackson, um, the coach for the Bulls. Do you know he's like massively into native culture? <laughs> no. Oh, dude. I love it. It's wild. Like, but it, it gets back to that like kind of faux pas to run your mouth off about it. Like, um, yeah, I, lo I love to hear that Flea did it and was like so respectful. Uh, but yeah, there, I mean, there, there's one medicine man in particular. I think there's a documentary on HBO about him, um, where it's like high level people from the government and like CIA and like ex senators and like CEOs and like all sorts of people fly in wow. um, for it. Um, and I've, I've sat with him before and like, it was like a ceremony after vision quest for all of the vision questers and everyone, all the supporters, and then, like, the next day, there's, like, a plane full of uh, um, people from the Netherlands and Sweden. Wow. There's, like, all these Swedish, like all these foreigners piling in when we were getting out. So I'm like, I don't know how this vibe is going to be. This is crazy. Like, <laughs> none of these people speak English. <laughs> I, like, I'm glad I got mine out because <laughs> um, this one seems wild. But, yeah, it's uh, uh, in the right circles it's well known, but definitely not in the mainstream, which, like, good. <laughs> like I'm, I've, I love the fact that it can be so hidden. Um, because again, I think it's important, and I think it's kept like most sacred if it's you know pure. Yeah, yeah. Pure. So how? So you go from this is the funny part to me. Like the way that you've been described to me over the last six months. Yeah, I would not have expected that. But <laughs> because every time I would hear about you, it would be like he's going to a festival. He's yeah, he's yeah. flying out to you know. Yeah. all these things so how do you go from sweat lodge to glow sticks yeah <laughs> the jump's not as far as you'd think which i think is really cool and interesting yeah like aspect of my life is that like these various things all have a lot in common they like seem super different but like the key things that i'm drawn to are, are present in all of them i think an important thing i kind of skipped over was like the mushrooms I think I was like 18 or 19 the first time I did them. And then I studied abroad in college. Oh. And I'd never left the country before I went and studied in, in Chile, South America. Oh. Yeah. So that was when I was 20. Um, and I'd like kind of talked about how the mushrooms kind of like, oh, my eyes to the bullshit, you know? Travel does that too. Like Mark Twain. I, I'm probably misquoting, but. Was, was that before the earthquakes? 
That was right after the right earthquakes. After. Yeah, we were the first program back after the earthquakes. Wow. I think they took a two-year gap um, after the earthquakes, and then we were the first students back post. Yeah, it's wild. And we were in Concepcion, which was like really absolutely destroyed because it was like very industrial. So like high rises and stuff that oh, just wow. got tore apart. Um, real wild. In fact, I lived with an architect, so it was really no cool. Yeah, Chilean architect, really cool hearing about like how they build the buildings to flex and sway because they have to, if they're too rigid in an earthquake, they just fall apart. So like, yeah, every, every 10 floors, the building has a, has a meter of sway built in. So by the time you get to like the 60th floor, we're talking about like six meters either way. (laughs) And I was, I was like on the 60th floor during an earthquake. It it was literally like holding onto the walls and like things are flying. It was crazy, but dude, yeah, but um, the point of me bringing up that experience is that really, you know, questions were raised. Obviously, we all have, uh, you know, we all question what we're told and stuff um, and like thoughts and considerations, existential shit. Like, what's what's life about? What do I want to know to life? You know, that's that that age around 20. Like, what am I going to do and this and that? And like going studying abroad, that was the first time I was out of the country was me getting on a plane to go live in chile for six months so again just jumping just going for it (laughs) um but a lot of the same uh, what i was gonna say there's a mark twain quote like uh travel is the enemy of ignorance Ooh, i like it yeah um and for me that was again there's a whole different way of living out there like these people have a whole different mindset reality like when i was there like no one had cell phones or anything where i was living so just a way different, like their family structures, like they, I mean, they had their government usurped by basically the U.S. government, Mm -hmm. uh, a coup d'etat in the 90s. So they're very like anti-imperialism and like coming from the U.S., like a good old indoctrinated white boy going, (laughs) leaving the country for the first time. And these people who are just like, dude, your government's the fucking worst. And like (laughs) examples and examples, and they all knew their history. And they're also like, uh, up on affairs and they're like did you know your government like you know they're trying to do this right now and i'm like no no i didn't know that actually that sucks <laughs> so it was really mind-blowing so i think it was like a one-two punch for me of like really having my mind opened and like leaving chile it was all about like that's what i want my life to be about is like these meaningful experiences trying mm. trying different things f- figuring out how do people live and uh, uh, like different types different ways of viewing life and mm-hmm. reality and all that stuff so so chile was was pre-peyote yeah okay yep i did do acid in in chile so i probably got the order uh, all wrong um, uh, whatever man yeah and the acid hit real hard in chile that shit like mushrooms i kind of explained really like not super visual it was like really cool like vibrant and stuff but it wasn't i wasn't seeing things that weren't there or anything mm-hmm. or my first acid trip was just like and it's just so relentless it lasts forever <laughs> it's like 12 20 hours of just oh my goodness and the brain's going a mile a minute it's for me it's not as i describe mushrooms or you can't keep a train of thought it's just like the train is flying down the tracks and just you're like holding on um so i'm trying to think of that was wild the that comedian who has done acid a bunch and he had a an animated show on netflix yeah duncan trussell duncan trussell there we go midnight gospel yes midnight gospel I mean, obviously, I loved it. Yeah, Duncan Trussell's <laughs> the shit. 
So I've never had it described to me as to what it really is. What do you mean? Like, what is acid? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you're talking about how you can describe like alcohol's process by the liver exactly. and it's a neuro or whatever it is. Yeah. As I understand it, the dude who invented it, invented it by accident, uh, like worked in the pharmaceutical industry and was like tweaking like LS something else, okay. LST or something and like accidentally made LSD. So acid is LSD? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, but yeah. acid and LSD are the same thing. Yep. And then there's like some variants, like there's like LSD hyphen fifteen, like throw some other shit, and it's just the molecule slightly different. It 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 is just a straight up like uh, psychoactive molecule. Okay. Like your brain has receptors for it. Randomly discovered this molecule that fits into those receptors perfectly. Um, and yeah, I guess I don't know too much about the science of like what it's doing to your body as far as like, I'm, for me, it keeps me awake forever. Oh. Like I stay up all night chatting. No Interesting. problem. And it's like, I'm not tired. And then the next day I feel great. Like almost like waking up from a nap, hmm. like coming out of hypnosis and being like, Oh my God. Like I feel younger, <laughs> like, which is, you know, not everyone has that experience, yeah. but how do you stay up 20 hours? Like with your brain going like literally a mile a minute existential, crisis averted and like like looking at yourself while you're floating out of your body like all the crazy stuff people talk about 20 hours of that and then the next day you're like huh i feel great like i don't know so so acid is is like purely chemical based yeah okay okay yeah yeah yeah, so i've I've never 100 like manufactured okay like not natural but there are some plants like morning flower seeds that you can make something close to lsd Like, that kind of occurs in nature. You got to, like, really refine the shit out of it. But, yeah, the stuff we take is all made in a lab. And, like, really fascinating history behind that stuff. Uh, Like, almost all the acid during the 70s was produced by the drummer of the Grateful Dead, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 And that's why there's so many deadheads and stuff is they would just hand out sheets at the show. Yeah. And groupies would just follow around and take acid all the time. But, like, for some reason, the government allowed him to do it like legally manufacture it and there's stuff like they moved the dude's drumsticks from one museum to the other and the dude who like grabbed the drumsticks like literally started tripping like like, so much acid (laughs) um yeah wild so yeah from everything that i so the basic understanding that i had was the government was involved in it a lot which is super weird to me Mm -hmm. because of um, the tests that they were running and then the way that it was manipulating the mind, they were like, okay, so is this something that we can use for mind control yeah. or is this something that makes others capable of mind control? Like, yeah. The men who stare at goats. Yes. Yeah. That era. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the way we, our government should be. I mean, not, not, can we use this as a weapon, yeah, but like, exactly. can we use this medicinally? Like we are, we just lost out on five decades of really important research, especially about psilocybin. I would argue more than anything really mm-hmm. um just last five decades of research for no reason yeah um yeah, but yeah it was the government did a bunch of experiments they're really interested i think most in remote viewing so can someone actually leave their body if so can we send them to russia to yeah. spy on russians and that that was like the idea i mean i think the the main dude i would read up on um if you're interested in like that history is dr rick straussman wrote uh, the spirit molecule about dmt mm. when he was like the doctor 
um, who was um, got grants from the U.S. government to administer DMT to patients. Um, and he did it super professionally, like intravenously. He found like the exact amount you needed to break out of your body, would interview these people while they were like flying around in outer space and like wrote it all down and then wrote a book about it. Um, and he was also involved in the LSD stuff like that era. Um, a lot of cool research. And then with LSD, I think it was just, it was like a really big, uh, like thing among like professors and scientists, like these dudes who got permission from the government to do it. It would just be like all of them, their psychologist friends sitting in their mansion. They'd take LSD and one person would be like writing it down. It was like a really, mm-hmm. Ha ta ta thing. The guys who uh, founded Alcoholics Anonymous tried acid to. They thought that maybe it could cure their uh, their addiction. Sure, which it did not. No. But. Yeah, I hear, I hear one of the founders <laughs> of AA like on his deathbed was like asking for booze. Like the last day, he's like, "Give me yeah. some whiskey," and they wouldn't give it to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, not not good for PR. Bill uh, and who's the other fucking guy? Uh, there's two of them, but. Yeah. yeah. So I think the thing that went wrong, I mean, a lot of the, I think mushrooms are a different story. Weed is a way different story because that goes way back to reefer madness and, and, um, the, f- the fucking William Randolph Hearst and all that shit. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. But the LSD thing, I think, um, just like two people in the, in the big trial that was going on by the time at the time had like psychotic breaks. Um, and that, that was it. It was just like two people and they're like, done with this well that's the other scary thing is like it can because it's a it's a like psychoactive yeah chemical like and from what i understand like it's the odds of you taking the exact same thing every time are pretty small acid should be just acid like it is like a molecule but i know what you mean Right. Like yeah. if, if somebody, I mean, there's stuff that's way worse for that, like Coke and, and, and oh, DMA yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Cause it's so easy to lace and like we get it from other countries and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. So, I mean, to get back, cause I never quite got to then how did I get into oh, yeah, ceremony? Yeah. But yeah, no, just got super interested in all of that. Um, especially, I mean, I speak Spanish and that's what I was studying at the time. Ah, me gusta sus pantalones. Bajalos. Gracias. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, uh, mine, mine sucks. Uh, <laughs> but also just like diving into that whole thing, different way to express words, like languages, you think differently in it. You are a different person in a different oh, yeah. language, like your personality is different, all of that. That's actually a perfect example of living in a world with multiple like universes because literally communication is completely different but you can come to the same place. Like we live in a a multiverse. Like that's insane. Absolutely. Um, And it affects like how you perceive things too. Like Inuit have something like dozens of words for snow. And to them, they can just look at a pile of snow. And since they have, they have so many concepts in their head of what snow can be that they will perceive it differently than Mm. we do. Cause our brain just labels it as snow and then like kind of just files it away and, your autopilot takes over and just you're just looking at snow but to them it's like they could write a book about like a pile of snow you know a lot of that i think it all just be summed up and just loved um experiencing different ways of life and living so i got back and that really like broke my fear of travel and like the others you know because i when i announced i was going to chile like there's people in my life who like don't travel much who are just like 
Googled a couple things and are like, it's dangerous and like, don't get killed and all this. And like, here's all these reasons you shouldn't do this. Like, are you sure you want to do this? And, you know, um, then you go there and it's just amazing and everyone's so nice and all of it was bullshit. <laughs> all of the fear mongering uh, really woke me up to all of that. So when I came back and I had the opportunity to start getting involved in, in like Native American ceremony and culture and stuff, I was just like, yeah, this is great because it it's like traveling in my backyard. Mm. Like I've gone to parts of reservations where it's like, there ain't no English here. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's like... Ojibwe or, or Lakota and Spanish and like people from all over the world. And, um, just you're seeing things you have no concept of like, why are they, what's that, what, what's going on there? Like, and I love that. I love being confused and like, uh, challenged and, and, you know, it's kind of a different kind of endurance, uh, getting through all that stuff. So, um, yeah, dove, dove head first. And then mo- mostly it was like that, that was my reason for trying it. And then, my Lakota family just the best people ever. Like, just met so many great people that are just so important to me. I want my medicine man to officiate my wedding. Like, just the most solid people, which I think transitions into, like, festival life, plur, as it's called. Plur? Yeah. Peace, love, unity, and respect. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, baby. Plur life, uh, a lot of the same concepts. Like, I went to my first festival. Well, I mean, I'd been to concerts, I'd been to festivals, but I, like, committed to my first big festival in 2019 going to Electric Forest. Oh. So, yeah. So not even that long ago. And so many of those, like, just amazing, incredible people, incredible music and culture, like the art of the music and also the physical art, the installations, everything was just so different, so mind blowing. So like cranked up, like everything I like about life cranked up to a hundred. And then you like layer on top of that, like the availability of like all the drugs I love. So, you know, <laughs> loved it even more, but um, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, uh, it's, is, is it true? It's like the Renaissance festival, but with technology. Yeah. Electric Forest specifically? Yeah. Yeah, I would say EDC in Las Vegas, I think is even more so that vibe. They have like the craziest production as far as technology goes. Like the stage is like a giant owl whose like head moves and the wings move. And like, and when I say a giant, I mean like 100 feet tall, like (sighs) enormous, like crazy. Where Electric Forest, um, is more like Renaissance Festival, Renaissance Festival. Oh, okay, okay. Like things built into the trees, like giant crazy statues, um, or not even statues, like wooden sculptures and mm-hmm. um, like flower. Like the big, one of the big imagery is like these giant hands doing the love thing covered in flowers. Oh, wow. So like cool installations like that. And then, yeah, they have 100,000 light fixtures in the woods. So it's lit up at night. And just you could just walk around and just be blown away and entertained, just looking in the trees oh, and God. all of that. So yeah, I mean that blew my mind. And again, just I was like, man, this stuff's going on all the time, everywhere. Like, <laughs> why didn't I know about this? Um, I mean, I I kind of did, but yeah, just fell in love with it. Fell in love with the music too. And after that, it was just like, let's go. So was Electric Forest the the first? one that you went to yeah i'd gone to raves at the armory before and the, oh, okay. the skyway which is like the skyway is like the the og ever. Yeah. it's kind of like the tech high school of the rave community where it's like been around too long kind of grungy people yeah. got good stories people got bad stories um but the armory is incredible such a good venue dead mouse has his 
production he tours with that's called the cube mm. and it's like a 15 foot i might have the dimensions wrong but it's like a 15 foot tall cube covered in leds and he sits like <laughs> in it kind of like you can see his head above it but he's like in this cube so all sides are are complete led like visuals and it just it looks insane this cube it's like state of the art but he can't bring that very many places Right. Because like he needs so much ampage, he needs so much like so so much technology. So he, I know he's like super stoked about the armory, and he he always brings the cube there. Um, that was actually I think my first what I would call real rave was was the cube. At the, really at the armory? Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, that was my first time taking MDMA as well. Okay, MDMA is is what now? Now this is getting into like not a huge expert in it, but it's it's <laughs> your your basic in, understanding. In your mind, it should equate to ecstasy. Okay. Because as I understand it, it it's like the most important active ingredient in ecstasy is MDMA. So like to super simplify, it's like pure, quote unquote, like just oh. the part you want out of ecstasy then like refined and you're getting more of it if you're just taking mdma i don't know what else is in ecstasy that that Same. makes it not mdma like I just again i'm not not an expert in there but um so so that experience versus versus the other stuff that you've done uh i mean it's in context like i'd never just take i mean maybe i would i don't know <laughs> I, I don't think i'd ever just taken and like walk around the woods like i described mushrooms oh, yeah, or i'm yeah. like i just love to be outside and chill and like have my little thoughts to me it's like the perfect thing at a concert because it keeps you on your like energized on your feet um it basically just bathes your brain in serotonin like, oh yeah it's it's all about tweaking your serotonin which is why it's also dangerous like compared to everything i've talked about mdma deserves by far the most caution by far. Because um, you can have uh, serotonin syndrome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and pretty easy to go overboard. Pretty easy to like not drink water for three hours because mm. you're just at, like literally in the throes of like the most pleasure you've ever had. And it's just so overwhelming that you're not like, oh, I want to go to the bathroom and refill my water bottle and take a <laughs> piss. It's like, no, we have to rave. Um, so like a little dangerous. And then it's also like there's certain... Drugs, like, I know, like, people bring this up about weed. Like, it's not like stoners are ever, like, crazy and violent. Like, why mm. is that illegal when weed just makes you peaceful and, like, hungry and shit? Like, I've seen people on MDMA that, like, look like crazy zombie, like, <laughs> psychos. Like, not a good look yeah, yeah is yeah. what I'm saying. But for me, um, some of the most absolute peak experiences of my life, like, I would say, like, out of my top ten, I would say, like, three or four probably at while I was rolling at shows like just strips down all of like the bullshit all the inhibitors and like between the people in your life like for instance me and my girlfriend like the first time we did it just like all the bullshit we'd normally argue about is gone now as if it never existed in that moment mm -hmm. and it was like the first time I think we were just 100% completely honest and just like looking at each other in the eye like holy shit I'm like so fucking lucky to be with anyone let alone you know just that kind of stuff like just had conversations that you you should have with everyone in your oh, life yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's like texting her mom like oh my god mama, <laughs> that kind of shit we're like, oh, maybe you don't need to text her mom right now but like that kind of thing where you're just yeah. like so full of love and the thing and do you know who sam harris is yeah big sam harris fan and I actually started reading him before I'd ever taken MDMA. i'm on the fence with him because of the whole race r he's, relations thing he's like getting 
It's like the longer he goes on, like you find a few pain points, but <laughs> um, I think it was in his book, The Moral Landscape, um, mm. which I'd highly recommend. Even if you're not into Sam Harris, it's just a good counterpoint to ethics and morals and stuff. And he he's he claims you can derive everything you need to know about morals and ethics from science, which I think is cool, to kind of as a alternative to the Bible, which hit or miss morally. I'll say. <laughs> Um, but he has an antidote in the beginning of that book where him and his friend did MDMA when they're teenagers. And to him, it was like the defining experience of, of his youth that like what I talked about opening the doors to like, oh, there's different ways, like all these perceptions mm-hmm. and travel and like all these things. That was his big experience. And he described it as like, I had this moment where me and my best friend are just staring at each other. And I'm just like, love this dude more than anything in this moment. And then I realized that if a stranger walked in that door and I looked at that stranger, I would love them just as much. Mm. A truly unconditional love. Like, doesn't matter what you did, doesn't matter who you are, I love you, like type thing. That that I think is like quintessential MDMA. Like you're just like cheesing around looking at people <laughs> and just like man, people are fucking awesome and hilarious, man. Look at these outfits. Like, that's the thing about Ray. If you just people watch, like, look at these freaks coming out of the woodwork. So, yeah. I, sh- I shot um, Safe and Sound. Sure. When um, Adventure Club. Ooh, yeah, Adventure Club. Um, so, yeah, met those dudes. Yeah, my friends are are good friends with them, actually. They're super cool guys. Yeah, awesome guys. Uh, but, the, like, I didn't realize, because all of the concert photography that i had seen of um edm shows was like on stage or photos of the crowd and i was like i don't get why because when you shoot rock shows it's a totally different thing you're in the pit and you're getting these certain types of angles if you're lucky there's another area where you can get longer shots but like no i know exactly what you mean (laughs) so when i saw those it's just not good marketing for for raves well but it, it was to me like it was incredible like when you see a rock show or even like a pop show like the artists seem unobtainable you're not going to reach them but when i shot that show i'm on stage with the other artists so the people that are going to go up next and like so i got photos of uh i don't know if he goes by this anymore but uh was it cupcake mm mm-hmm. mhm um, just wiling out during Adventure Club set. And like, there's, I would not be able to do that at any other show. Right. Yeah. I went to a big, a destination festival in Cancun in December for Elenium. Mm. Huge dude. Like, right now, maybe the biggest name in EDM. And there's people who are getting their merch signed. And I'm like, how oh, the fuck are you getting your merch signed? <laughs> like, I have not been able to get close to him because that's kind of the thing about a destination festival is all the artists are chilling in the resort Mm -hmm. and like there's other artists i just walk up to like dude love your music not gonna bug you but like the fun (laughs) but people are throwing their merch up on uh stage for his after party because he'd like play his sets then he'd come into the hotel and do like a throw-up rave in the hotel lobby and people are just like throwing their merch up there he's signing it throwing it back like taking pictures of people like they'll come up like underneath the booth and like that kind of shit it's like so cool so so he, like they're so humanized. Yeah, it's just well, like I'm ten feet away, dude. Like, 
love your shit. <laughs> the so that that was what I was saying or trying to get at is like the vibe of EDM shows is we're all at the same party. Mm-hmm. When it comes to rock shows and like your traditional concert, we're here performing for you mm. rather than it being a communal thing. I get that. So it's fascinating. That was fascinating to me. And it made me... So that's when I started looking into those other festivals. Mm-hmm. I, there was a point in time where I, I was going to go to Electric uh, Forest, Forest yeah. because it looked just so incredible. Never ended up doing it. I still would love do to, it, do to it, go dude. and experience well, that stuff. Don't have to do any drugs. You can go with your family. You go with your kids. Like <laughs> No matter how you do it, it it's got something for everyone, and it's going to be just a top 10 experience. Yeah, with the photography and stuff though, I I think it it bugs me sometimes how it's photographed and um filmed. Like if I sometimes oh, watch a live set, they do spend a lot of time with like close-ups of the DJ, which is cool when they're rocking out and stuff, you can tell they're vibing, but like they ain't doing much. <laughs> like they're clicking a button. And then it'll pan out to the the crowd and like half the time people are just like out of their minds on drugs or just sweat or like just not a good look where it's for me, I love being like in the middle with the lasers above me and getting like the full view of the whole production because like behind you wouldn't even know behind the DJ there's like hundred foot tall LEDs oh, with yeah. like insane production laser consoles like a hundred feet back just blasting you and like oh that was the other thing is like like people in my circle would were talking so much shit about edm circuits and things because it's like you could just play they're just doing what you would listen to in your car and when i was there Mm -mm, the sound is Mm -mm. just unreal like they're all producers so they know how to mix they know exactly the environment with which they're projecting this music so it was just like all-encompassing you, you get it incredible you, you get it it's really hard to describe to people who haven't experienced like a really good edm show like what the appeal is because i've i used to listen to edm music and i'm like fucking robot scritchy scratchy <laughs> like aggressive ass not pleasing music but when you hear it as it was meant to be heard on enormous high quality speakers with the sound like on you, it gets in your chest and like makes you feel shit. Like legitimately the ones who know what they're doing can make you happy, make you sad, like just totally play with your emotions, like make force you in the moment in ways that like is just not present in other type of shows, you know, where you're like on your phone, you're like try doing that at like an intense rave. Like it's just it, it's just too much. Like you have to just be in it. Um, yeah. And that, that's my thing is it's just really about like the, the, the artists who are good at those shows are just about making a peak experience for you. Is like there, they're doing it for you. Is there a guy, uh, is it flume? Flume's great. So that's, flume is great. he's the one that stood out to me the most. Like he's coming back in May at the armor. Yeah. The way that his, his his sound production was just, it was perfect. Yeah, like and everybody did good, but there was something about his set that just like, and I ha- my brain goes that way. Like when I listen to music, I'm like, oh well, they added this there, and the writers did this. Like, yeah. I I geek out on that shit. So when I was hearing his stuff, I was like, God, he fucking mixed and mastered the shit out of this stuff 
because the EQ and the bass and everything is just perfect coming out of these massive speakers. So pleasing. And it's like they they know it's like that feeling of rightness I almost I described during the peyote ceremony where it's like the drum and the singing and the medicine it just feels right like when an EDM artist knows what they're doing they know what the next thing should be and your brain is like oh I want it to drop I want it to drop <laughs> and then they drop it like they know what you want and it's just like an orgasm basically like oh my god it feels so good so yeah um as you can tell, very passionate. I think <laughs> I think everyone should should try one. Um, even if you just sit in the back and people watch. Like there's there's many ways to enjoy. Uh, but for me, it's also an opportunity where everyone can just be like the most them mm-hmm. they are. You know, me included. Like there's people in my life who've just never seen me in that environment who I just they're missing out on a a big part of me. Um, because I just you don't have opportunities to be just a complete goofball. Oh yeah. Outside of that very often. So I, so the, the, the overall theme that I'm getting is like open-mindedness and community are such a, play such a massive role in these experiences. If you're just For going sure. out and doing shit by yourself, you're not going to get the full value of that thing. Yeah. It's like the difference between, actually participating in something and just being a tourist you know Mm. like when i travel i don't want to just go do all the tourist shit the like the superficial like never scratch the surface like i want to i want to see like what it's like to be a local here like i want to get into the dirty shit and like what do you eat (laughs) like let's go um i don't want mcdonald's and chili i want empanadas yeah yeah that's like going to new york um people like so i've got a bunch of family out in new york and every time that we would go, because we would work for our uncle during the summer, and when we come back, um, or even before we went, like people would be like, "Oh, you're going to New York? Like, are you going to see Carson Daly at TRL and like <laughs> all this shit?" And we would go to the city, but like that would be once, mm-hmm. if that, for the entire summer, and that mm-hmm. was it. The rest of New York is fucking fascinating, mm-hmm. like. Um, one of the oldest houses in existence is in there. The majority awesome. of vice presidents have homes in New mm-hmm. York. Like there's all of this, the history, the it's fact wild. like jazz and rock and roll was created in New York. Mm-hmm. Salsa was created in New York. The Just people wouldn't the know. The cultural relevance is off the charts. The allure of dive bars. Mm-hmm. Like that's New York. Mm-hmm. Like the, and when you brought up like what people eat and stuff it's fucking delis Mm -hmm. they're not all eating pizza all the time like i rarely had pizza when i was out there you're always going to bodegas and street food and shit yeah dude absolutely so yeah i mean when i think about my next um travel adventures this year vietnam is is (gasps) on my on my uh schedule really yeah um but I was going to say, when I think of, when I'm planning my next adventures, I mean, there's some like business as usual shit, like oh, sure. Electric Forest, but I mean, it's still <laughs> incredible. But I'm thinking, what is like more different than anything I've ever done before? Oh. And I've never been to Asia. Um, so that's high on my list. I've never been to Africa, and that's high on my list. Um, and I know those, like, I want to do it right when I go. So I'm saving Africa because I just, I want a big chunk of time, want to do my research, figure out like well, how I'm going to get the most out of this experience i feel like it's just going to be mind-blowing 
Um, but I had an opportunity to, to, to do Vietnam this year. So we'll, we'll do that for sure. But yeah, it's all about in a certain sense, getting me my mo the most out of my comfort zone. Like your mind gets on these tracks like ski tracks, you know, mm -hmm. they just build up over time and you get stuck in the ruts and sometimes you need to be jostled a little, you know, get out of those, build some new tracks. So yeah, that's the, when I talked about like common themes between my interests, it's usually that kind of thing, like something that's new, exciting, different. Um, I think uh, it's all valid. Like I said, like there's a lot of different ways to look at life and I don't think one's better than the other. Um, so when it comes to not necessarily um, the psychedelic realm, but because the other theme is uh, the experience, it seems. So for people who are looking for that kind of self-discovery and immersion, do you have any advice for, for listeners? Yeah. It depends on what, what kind of caught your eye. Um, one piece of advice I always give is that if even if you have just a tangential interest in, in like travel, for instance, or a festival or whatever, you really owe it to yourself to at least try. Like you're not getting any younger. <laughs> like you the 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 responsibilities just stack up throughout life. Um, but even if you have a ton of them, there's no time like the present to just try it you know, and I don't have any special ability to do all this. I mean, I'm very privileged with like having money to do this. I mean, I, I have a job, I worked hard, but I'm not, you know, people ask me that kind of shit all the time, even about my hobbies. Like, do you, how do you get into all that? Like, how do you do it? It's like oh. literally nothing, dude. I just, <laughs> I buy the thing. I buy the ticket. I buy the paint, like whatever I'm into. I just buy the tickets. Um, and it does itself, you know, I'm not doing much. I'm just there, but so that, that'd be my first thing. I would say for me, if you've never left the country and gone to a country that doesn't speak English, that's a, that's a big one. You don't even necessarily have to go to the country. Like I mentioned, like the reservation was crazy for me. I mean, you can go to the Southwest where it's Spanish all day, mm -hmm. Miami, um, New Orleans, great example, just way different. Those are Southeast, but I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and New Orleans is French, not Spanish. But, uh, Get get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your uh, what you're used to and um, challenge yourself in that way is really good and really eye-opening. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, how we can all be conscientious and, and, like, talks about privilege and stuff. I know it's just so overbeaten. But for me, it's like, man, I've seen dregs, the dregs of poverty, like, most – people I talked to can never imagine. Like, I mean, I lived in Cuba for six months, um, spots in Chile, um, spots in, in big cities in Europe where it's just, uh, the lows are really low, man. Um, and just thinking about people surviving and like seeing a kid playing in trash and like smiling at you. Like it's just mind blowing. Um, really puts your life into perspective. Like how do you have gratitude if you don't know how bad it could be? And, um, you know, I've seen stuff that just really puts into context, like, holy shit, life's incredible. Like, wow, humans are incredible. Like, all that stuff. Travel's an easy way to get there. Um, the music stuff, I think we all, 
you know, have her music preferences. Um, I think going to festivals is different though, because you're all locked in for a certain amount of time. Like you got to be there for four days. You, you, you're not going to be working. You're not going to be like, it's a different kind of shared experience where you're all in it together. You all got to get through this weekend, rain or shine. You're all trying to make the most of it. So I really recommend festivals, even if you're just going to people watch. Um, you're, if you're not into drugs, if you're not into like loud music, even doesn't matter. Like electric forest. I know people who only see like one set out of the four days Oh wow! and they just wander around cause there's so much to see so much to do. And it's just, everything's so like interesting and like, oh, that's awesome. you just meet someone and all of a sudden you're chatting with them. Oh, it's been three hours. Shit. I got to go find my friends, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, as far as, uh, as medicines, um, do your research. Um, there's plenty of like really awesome, safe contexts. You can do it. You can even do like psychedelic assisted therapies now in certain States. Um, and if it's important to you, I think getting on a plane and going there paying for it, it's like such a small price to pay for what's, what statistically is bearing out to be like really powerful experiences for trauma and PTSD and depression, psilocybin assisted therapy specifically. Incredible. Um, read up on it. A lot of John Hopkins, um, trials going on right now with psilocybin and and MDMA. Um, A lot of cool data there. But um, yeah, I can't stress enough. Obviously, be really careful with what you do. Do it in the right (laughs) context and everything. Um, Well, thank you so much again for doing this. We absolutely are going to have to have you back. Yeah, yeah. Um, This was a lot of fun, eye-opening stuff. Um, I forgot you you make art. Yeah, if people want to check it out... um, if you just Google Minnesota Wildcrafts LLC, um, my Facebook shop should pop up. I do paint, spray paint, graffiti, spray paint, okay, graffiti, graffiti, sweet. So I cut stencils and do spray paint, and yeah, I mean you'll you'll see a lot of the themes I talked about in my art. It's all like indigenous iconography, sacred geometry, trippy dippy shit, <laughs> like love mushrooms. And by the way, just like we're we're right at the end, I'm not going to get too far into this. I'm not specifically in love with psilocybin, just fungus in general. The most incredible oh, shit yeah, ever, yeah. dude. Like like the medical supplement stuff, cordyceps, chaga, reishi, like these medicinal mushrooms. Just the most incredible, crazy. And what the fuck is a mushroom, man? <laughs> they're so weird. They're so goofy. Like they're all symbiotic and grow under the ground and I was like, gonna say what's what uh what's the network called mycelium mycelium yeah dude fascinating Connect, connects the roots of trees trees talk through them there's like why are they so good for you makes no sense like what a generous little weird thing not a not a plant not an animal what is it it's an alien and that's <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding but no mushrooms are great um but yes dude thank you so much for having me anytime anytime this is great of course you got it you got it going on here Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. And to the listeners, be well to yourselves. Mm-hmm.